If you hate how it feels in here right now, you're really going to hate hell. Uh, <laughs> my word. <laughs> Woo! Hot! Uh, let me just be honest. I have no idea why it's so dang hot in this building right now. But they have replaced the HVAC. Can confirm the heat is working, baby. It is, I walked in this morning. We walked in. It was 89 degrees in this room. Don't know why. Then, y'all know how the bathroom is. It was over 100 degrees in that bathroom. I don't know how hot it was, but man, it was like the devil's butt crack in there. It was hot. Uh, and so I, I don't know if something's not working right because they're not completely finished. They still have to do the kid space. So I don't know. All I know is I can open the door, get a fan on, open that door and see if we can just get some uh, you know, fresh air up in this place. All right. So if you're tall, I'm so sorry for the people over here. It's hotter up here than it is down there. Let me tell you right now, hot. Your boy is going to be sweating here in a second. All right. So uh, anyway, hey, welcome to church today. Uh, real quick, uh, a note on where are we having church next week? In this building, what room? I have no idea. Okay. So this room is done. The lobby's done. All right. And this is the important part because the brains of everything are in this room that you can, you can never see in here. And so that was the hard part. Next, what they're starting tomorrow is they're tearing up the ceiling and all that stuff over in the kids' space. So depending on how quickly they get done with that will depend on where we have church. So we might have church in here again next week and the kids are going to be out there or we might be in there. Kids might be in here. I don't know. Okay. So uh, be patient with this. We'll get it all worked out whenever I have more information. But thank you all for being flexible. And uh, the heat's just a little late. You know, it's not quite hot right now, as it, or not quite as cold outside. So anyway, hey, I'm glad you're here at church. Thanks for, uh, for bearing with us. I promise this is only going to help the message go faster, how hot it is up here right now. Uh, so it's good for you all. Um, but uh, if you're new and maybe you haven't been here for the full series we've been in, we've been in a series called uh, Unshakable. Y'all say Unshakable. Unshakable. All right. Say it like you're not real hot. All right. Unshakable. Unshakable. Didn't that feel better, everybody? I mean, my word. It's not hot in here. It's cold. I'm cold. Uh, but we're in a series called Unshakable. It's all about the kingdom of God. And so uh, I, I want to just kind of recap, catch you up a little bit. And if you are new, go back and listen to these. I promise you it's very practical. Today is probably the most practical message I've ever preached in my life. It will help you exactly where you are. So Lean in today. You're like, how does this stuff work? We're going to teach you today how this whole thing works. You're going to learn it right now. But we're talking about this because God's kingdom is unshakable. The problem is our lives shake all the time, right? Like, hey, turn them lights on for me, Kev. I can't see people's faces. I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not. Uh, there we go. All right. Um, I, I got to be able to see all those lovely faces and see who's here and not here so I can get on to them. I'm joking. Uh, we don't do that. But I, I want, we're, we're talking about the, how the kingdom of God is unshakable, but there are things in our lives that always shake. Like there's some always shaking in our lives, right? Like there's life circumstances. There's, there's uh, things that hit you out of nowhere. There's surprises in life, phone calls you weren't expecting to get, right? Like the thing you really hoped for isn't working out the way you thought it would. My word, if you're in here and you haven't had children before and then you have a child, 
You're in a constant earthquake for the next 18 years, you know, like your life is just shaken. Well, we want to show you there's a place you can run to that cannot be shaken. It's a place that you can run to where you can find safety and security, right? There's an an available kingdom to you if you just decide to be a part of it. And if you abide by the king's reign and his rule, it's available to everybody, right? Uh, and we learn that the way to get in this kingdom isn't by being in close proximity to it. You can get close to the things of God and still not be in the kingdom of God. So how do we get in the kingdom? Well, we have to be born again. Our old life has to end so that our new life can begin. As we've talked about all this stuff. Uh, we, we are longing to look beneath the kingdom to be a part of something special. So this kingdom is this big idea of how God's reigning and Jesus is reigning and he's the king. But the problem is a lot of us identify with these small tribes, right? And and we so identify with these tribes that we miss the whole picture of the kingdom. We miss the whole picture of everything. We might identify as Republican or Democrat and we get so focused on these things that we miss that we're, no, no, I'm not a part of just one of those little tribes. I'm a part of God's kingdom first. That's what I do. And so that's what I'm a part of. We have to understand those things. Last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked about how when we're a part of God's kingdom, it produces something in us. It produces righteousness, joy, and peace. And last week, man, it was powerful last week. If you missed last week, I would beg you to go back and listen because I think it has something for everybody. We talked about forgiveness last week and how when we hold on to unforgiveness, man, it it changes us. It it actually prevents the kingdom of God from flowing into our lives. How you doing over there, Andrew? You good, bro? You want to come up and preach with me? I had to put my security guy, one of our security people over there because the door is open. I don't want something crazy to happen. So uh, y'all give Andrew a hand. Y'all come on now. What was I talking about? Uh, Last week, unforgiveness will block the kingdom of God from flowing into your life. We talked about how when you choose to not forgive somebody, it's like giving yourself the stomach bug. No one would do that. That's crazy. But that's how you're living your life when you choose to live with unforgiveness in your heart. So today I'm super excited. We're going to we're going to talk about how does the kingdom come into your everyday life? Like when you leave and you go in the car, when you go home, when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school, come on, when you're making some coffee for me tomorrow at Black Press, like when, when, you, when you go do what you do, how does the kingdom of God like meet me there? That's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm so excited. If you have your real Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. You can turn there and just kind of hang out. It's starting in verse 22. Um, and I love this, and, and some of you, oh, sorry, you can take notes, my bad. Thank you, Shelby. You can take notes. Today, I would say it's almost imperative for you to take notes. There's something at the end that you need to see that you need to keep, so scan that, take some notes. Um, but the story that Jesus, we're about to look into, it's important to understand that Jesus, this was his most important sermon he ever taught, the most famous one. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone ever heard of that before, right? Sermon on the Mountain, or Mountain, or Sermon on the Mountain, like it's where we get the Beatitudes, and Matthew, uh, blessed are those, blah, blah, blah. You're right, it's, it's that whole thing. Well, this is another take on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's important to understand that when Jesus is giving this message, he's not doing it in a nice, ornate temple. He's not in a synagogue that had like the fog machine and the screen and the lights. So we don't have a fog machine. We just have heat. That's what we had today. Uh, our breath. I mean, I feel like I'm just getting breathed on. I feel like I'm breathing in, breathe out. So you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I feel like right now. 
But like, it, it, he wasn't speaking in like this neat church, this neat area. No, no, he was with the people. The people didn't hang out there. The, he was with the people. He was on the countryside. He wasn't hanging with the normal folk. How many normal folk we have in here? Come on, you're just an everyday guy. Like that's where Jesus was. That's where Jesus was talking to. He was on this mountainside, this hillside, hanging out with people like you and me. That's what I love about Jesus. People think Jesus is this weird religious leader that said crazy things sometimes and did miracles. No, no, Jesus was about the people. He wanted to be around the people. He wanted to go where they lived. He knew where it was. In fact, Jesus came from a tiny little town. Like he was an average guy in the sense of how he grew up. Like he was, he was like that. And so he was with the people exactly where they were in their everyday life. And then he starts talking about everyday things like the concerns of the people. So he wasn't teaching this message that had nothing to do with anything. He was teaching a message that met people exactly where they were. So he goes and visits them on their turf. He's talking about things that they're concerned about, that they're worried about, and he's doing it in a way that's really resonating with people. Now I want you to know, that's how we try to teach here, by the way. That's, I, I, wanna, I wanna meet you where you are. Maybe we talk about some complicated things, but I like to say, I wanna put the cookies on the bottom shelf where you can get them, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a very smart academic guy, and so I wanna teach in a way that's relatable and that's modeled in Jesus. That's what I'm trying to, I'm not as good as he is, but I'm trying to teach it in the same type of way. And so he started talking about how does the kingdom intersect into your everyday life? How, how does it come into your life and how does it begin to work? Um, statistics would tell us that 85% of people go to work every single day and they're dissatisfied and they're not fulfilled in what they do. 85% of you are not satisfied in what you're doing and what you're doing is not fulfilling you. I see a lot of people nodding their head because that's probably true for most of us in here. And honestly, that's an old statistic. Since COVID, it's actually gone up from there. That is the vast majority of people aren't satisfied in their work. They're not satisfied with how they're interacting with people. And I hope today that I can take that 85% of you and teach you how the kingdom of God can impact exactly where you are. So no matter what you do, you can find fulfillment and you can find some uh, peace. You can find some, man, a satisfaction like you've never had before. That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm so excited. Now, let me ask this question. How many people in here love to do puzzles? Come on, I was at the McNeil's house. He's working on it. How many pieces that puzzle? Thousand. Come on now. Who loves doing puzzles? Let me see. Y'all weird. All right, I just want to tell you, not a puzzle guy. Not a puzzle guy. Stephanie's a puzzle woman. And we've actually, uh, last October, went away by ourselves. And we're at this beach house. It's beautiful. And I'm like, baby, let's go walk on the beach. And she's like, no, I think I'm going to sit. Don't talk to me and let me do my puzzle. That's what it was. And I'm like, I thought these trips were just the husband and wife were a lot different than that. You know, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't the, the puzzle thing. I wasn't expecting the puzzle thing. So, uh, but a lot of you, are, I don't do puzzles. They're not relaxing to me. They're frustrating. I like find the corners and the edge pieces. And after that, I'm like, I'm going to, this is going to make me cuss right now. We actually, one time, Steph and I did a race. We each had like hundred piece puzzles, like smaller ones. She was done in three minutes. I'm, I'm an hour later, like, 
did yours come with four corners? Mine didn't come with four, you know? But we, I, there's puzzles. But uh, one thing that I notice every time that Stephanie does, and you probably do, Matt did this at his house when we were over there last night, and you typically will have the, what the picture of the puzzle is supposed to look like facing you so that you know I don't need to be putting a white piece where something orange is. You know what I'm saying? You're looking at the whole picture, okay? You're looking at everything. Now, if I just had a single piece of a puzzle here right now, which I meant to grab and I forgot it, if I had a, a single piece of a puzzle, I could show you that puzzle, but you would have no idea what the big picture is supposed to look like. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't be able to go, that's a Disney princess and her castle in the style of Thomas Kincaid, right? Like, you wouldn't be able to do that, but that's how we all live life. We struggle through life. You struggle through going to work and being dissatisfied and, and not being satisfied as a mom, maybe some of you, or a dad as some of you, and you feel like you're not fulfilled. Why? Because you're focusing on a small piece of the puzzle. You need to zoom out today and see the whole picture. What is God really trying to do with you? How does the kingdom of God impact everything? Not just when I come to church. Like, how does the kingdom of God impact my everyday life? I want to show you how to have a kingdom perspective today. A perspective that you can have no matter what you're doing and how the kingdom of God impacts your life. I need to tell you a little bit about the message that Jesus is about to give. Because he starts going into life. And he starts talking about what we're worried about. He's talking about provision. If I ask a lot of you, if I ask everybody in here what you're worried about, most of you would most, most likely say, like, I need God to provide here or there. Not necessarily just financially, but I need, I need to know that I'm going to have enough fill in the blank to get through this season. I need to have enough grace with my kids right now. I don't have enough grace. Maybe this money. I, I need to have more finances to like make ends meet. I, I need to be more patient. Uh, I need to, to have the emotional capacity to deal with what's coming on or coming toward me. But the way Jesus is talking about this is where we kind of disconnect because he's talking about two things that they struggled with in the day that we don't really struggle with anymore. And he's talking about food and he's talking about clothes. That's what he's talking about. I want us to look past that. Let's get to what the principle he's teaching and not necessarily the specifics of what he's teaching, but he's talking about food. We don't struggle with food here uh, in the sense that they did. Most people back then, they ate one meal a day and it took like all day to cook. Like they're not, their fridge wasn't, didn't have refrigerators. Like they, they weren't stockpiling these things. They were eating as they had it and most of it was one meal a day. They also didn't worry, we don't worry about clothes. Most of you, man, you could sell your clothes right now on Facebook Marketplace and make a killing. Some of you, you have shoes, you have a whole room dedicated to shoes, right? Like, it's just not something that most of us in here deal with, but Jesus is talking about that. And so I wanna look at what he's talking about, not the specifics of the clothes and the food, but I want you to think, what is the thing in my life that I feel like I need more of? God's got to give me more of this. I want you to be thinking about that. So uh, what lens I want you to see this through is that all of us have a fear and it holds us back from the kingdom and that fear is provision. We all worry about, am I going to have enough? Fill in the, whatever it is. Am I going to have enough? Will I have enough emotion for that crisis? Will I have enough in me for that new assignment? Will I have enough resources for that thing God's called me to? And that fear of provision causes the giftings that God has put inside of us, they grow dormant. 
So when you have this fear of provision, the thing that God's really put inside of you, the thing that God wants to grow, it actually grows dormant. For young people, it's this. This is on a slide. They're thinking, what career, uh, will my career ever happen? Like, I'm doing something that I don't really think I'm made to do. I'm just doing fill in the blank. They're thinking these things. Will, will, I, will it even happen? Like, will I experience the things I'm hoping for in life? Will I have enough to, like, own a home? to get married one day, to have kids. Like this is what young people, maybe people that are a little further in life, they're thinking, what if I lose everything I've actually worked so hard to build? I've been dumping into my retirement account and like, what if it's not enough? What if, what if I don't have enough to like leave my kids or what will I actually leave behind? And you're thinking about these things and, and maybe everyone in here, like we can relate to this is we all have a desire to self-create a world so that we feel secure. And so what happens is, is when we don't trust that God's doing it, we actually try to take the reins and do it ourselves. And you're, the question everyone's asking is, will I have what I need when I need it? You're asking that some way. And that's what Jesus is addressing in this story that we're going to get into. So these people, they've eaten one meal a day. They're worried about some closed situation there. And, and Jesus is meeting them exactly where they are, just like he's doing to you right now. Luke, uh, where, where are we at? Luke chapter... 12, starting in verse 22. Here we go. It says this. Then uh, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't plant crops. No, they don't do that. They, they, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? How many times in your life have you gone through a really challenging time and you thought, man, you know what was the real game changer there? All the worry I did. That made the biggest difference, right? Like no one's saying that because we know that worrying doesn't add anything to your life. It actually takes stuff away. He keeps going. He says, since you cannot do this very little thing, uh, why do you worry about rest? Consider the wildflowers and how they grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown out into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such these things. So he's telling us there are people outside of the kingdom that believe that they're the ones who generate and create the provision in their life. They're going to go work for it. They're going to go do this. They're going to go try to make it happen on your own. Don't do that. That's not the way Jesus wants you to live life. He says, and your father knows that you need them. I, I love the Bible. I love Jesus. Now, some of you, you have, a, you have a thing about this book that you just automatically think you can't understand it. I would tell you, get a different translation, all right? Get the New Living Translation. That's what uh, we're not reading from today. That's what I read from. That's what this is. Easy to understand. But here's the thing that a lot of us get wrong about the Bible. We think that the Bible is just a book of rules that tells us like what not to do. Hey, don't do drugs. You know, don't chew. Don't go with girls that do. You know, that's what we think the Bible says. Like we're just, we're going to, we're not going to do the stuff that it says, but that's not only what the Bible is. There is stuff in the Bible where God and, and the word of God says, don't do that. 
Instead, though, it does that, but it also tells you what you should do. Right? Like, I'm not just going to, the Bible's not just going to tell you what not to do. It's going to tell you what you also should do. And that's where this kind of takes a turn, right? Um, uh, maybe you're in here and you have this dissatisfaction in your life. It might be because you're trying to take control and go, God, I, I want to give myself some security. I want to give myself some provision. I want to do this. And God's like, fine, I'll let you. And watch what that gives you. No wonder we have so much anxiety. But God puts this little phrase in here. He says, you know you need all those things. God knows that you need provision. You, you need the things that you're longing for. But he puts a little a button there. I love this. It says this. Go to the next slide. But seek his kingdom. That's what you, you got to seek his kingdom. And all of those things that God knows that you need, the clothes, the food, the job, the money, the patience, the kindness, the grace, the willpower, that God knows what you need. If you can seek his kingdom first, all of those things will be given to you as well. That's why it's so important for us to get on God's agenda. To go, God, I, I want to do my life this way, but I know that, man, your kingdom is this way, and, and I'm going to give everything I have to the kingdom. I'm going to live the kingdom way, because when I do that, God takes care of the rest. And some of us, man, we have a hard time living that way. And then he goes on, and he says this. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. Hey, Come on, don't, don't be afraid of all this stuff. Don't be afraid of not having what you think you need and what you need. Like, the Father has been pleased. It, it makes God happy to give you the kingdom. It, it's, he loves to give you the keys to his kingdom. But we just have to fall in line and do what God wants us to do. Now, I want to spend the last few moments talking about two things. All right, this is where we're going to get real practical. So first, I want to talk about a perspective and a cultural worldview that I believe holds us back from the kingdom life. All right. Then second, I want to walk you through a look at life through the kingdom perspective. And I want to show you how provision is a byproduct of seeking the kingdom first. So we're going to look at a worldview. Then I want to look at some very real things in life and show you that provision is a byproduct. It's a natural byproduct of what we can do to, uh, uh, as we live the kingdom life. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, just sincerely, to think about the thing in your life that you need God in right now. What provision do you need? It might be financial. It might be emotional. It might be like, God, you've asked me to start this thing, and I don't know if I can do it. I, I need whatever it is. I want you to for real think about it. What is that thing? Where do you feel like you're lacking right now? And ask God, hey, show me that, because this is where we're going to go. There's a, there's a guy named Charles Steinmetz, and he was an electrical engineer, and he was actually a genius. And uh, he won a Nobel Prize. He was really amazing. This is the early 1900s. And after his career, he actually went into some consulting work. And so he went into consulting work, and businesses would hire him and show him, like, hey, like, I need, we need you to come out and assess what's going on. And there was this one story where Charles went out, and he went to this business, and he comes in, no one really knows what he is. He has a piece of chalk in his hand and he's walking around and he's looking at machines. 
not saying a word to anybody, and he goes up to a machine, he takes his chalk out, puts an X on it, and walks out, goes home, a few weeks later, sends an invoice to this company for $10,000. So yeah, your eyebrows just went up, like, holy moly, I wish I had that dude's job. And so like the bookkeeping side of this business sent a letter back saying, we're going to need you to justify the $10,000 because it wasn't itemized. It didn't show what equipment he may have used. It didn't show what he just said, $10,000, that's what you owe me. And so they sent back, justify this, please, because this is, sounds outrageous. You didn't even talk to us. We expected you to have like meetings with us and stay for a little while. And so they send that letter back. He sends back a letter that says $1 for the piece of chalk, $9,999 for knowing where to put the X. That's what he thought. Now, it's a powerful thing. And I think a lot of us, we're living lives and we're, we're trying to make things better without putting an X on the thing that we need to put an X on so we know to get rid of that in our lives. That's why I want you to really think like, God, where do I need to put the X today? Show me where I need to put that X in my life. What area do I need to focus on? What area is God trying to show me right now in this moment, in this room, if you're listening on podcasts later, like what area is God showing you? Put the X there. So here's the question we're going to ask today and answer. How do I connect my everyday life with the kingdom? How do I connect my everyday life with the kingdom. The first thing is, I want you to know, you can live a kingdom life instead of a segmented life. You can live a kingdom life instead of a segmented life. We actually live in a very compartmentalized world that comes naturally to us. We, we want to we keep things separate. How many of you, excuse me, hate it when your food touches? Anyone like that in here? Like, you don't want things to touch? Listen, I'm like, I don't care. It's all going to the same place. You know, like, I, touch. I don't care. You know, and, but some of us, we like that. And we like those little plates that have little compartments in it, right? So we can, like, put our protein here. And that's how it is with our kids. They hate those plates. But, like, it helps you kind of keep things portioned out and keep things separate. Well, some of us were doing that with our lives with Jesus. And he wants to be a part of your everyday life. But the problem is, is that some of us see Jesus as something that we just add in as a segment of our life. So it, it looks like I have my work life. I have my family life. I have my leisure life. Uh, this part of me, that part of me. And then God has a tiny little sliver of your pie. He, he doesn't want to be that. The kingdom life goes into every part of your life. You don't have to live, live segmented. You don't have to live that way because he wants to be in everything. But the problem is some of us just give God a little segment. Hey, he's only at Oasis Church, right? Like he's only there on Christmas and Easter. Uh, I'll give God just a tiny segment of my life uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll live the rest of my life by my priorities and my agenda. That's how a lot of us live. We live a very segmented life. And we have all these compartments and we're just trying to figure out how all of this fits together. Well, the problem is, is that you need to bring the kingdom into everyday life. I want to give you permission today. Stop living a segment of life. Live a life where it all works together because that's how God designs you. I love how uh, it goes in Romans chapter 12 in the message. It says this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God's going to help you, all right? Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. 
embracing what God does for you is the best you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Some of us, we need to readily recognize what he wants from us and quickly respond to it. Have you invited God, have you invited Jesus into the area of your life that you were thinking about earlier? Really? Or is Jesus still a segmented part over here in his own little compartment, over here kind of doing his own thing? Or have you truly invited Jesus in and said, Jesus, man, I, I give this to you. And he goes on and he says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. Don't live a segmented life with the kingdom. God goes into every compartment. He's in everything. So I want to talk about this practically for a second. Because we would all say that if we could just get a little more provision, like if we could just have a little more money or a more healthy, right, or, or more resource or more time or more of that thing that you lack or more peace or more meaning or more significance, like all of us feel like we, we want more of something. We're all asking for it, but we need to understand this, that provision is a byproduct of a kingdom-focused life. It's a byproduct of a kingdom-focused life. And so I'm going to put up this picture, understanding that it's tiny, okay? We'll put it up where you can download this, because I think it's really going to be helpful to you. I'm going to put this up, and I want to recognize that it all starts with me. Not me, but you, okay? It all starts here. Your need. You have a real need. I don't want to take that away. Like some of you, you have, most of us, we have needs that have to be met. You got to go to work. You got to make that money, right? Because if you make the money, you can provide for your family. You can eat. You can do it. Like it all starts here. It starts with where you are right now. And so if it starts there, we have to understand that we have to move it from there. There's a transition that has to happen. So I have my needs and I have the things that God wants to do, but I have to move it from here to God's king, where God's the king and I'm living in his kingdom. So I'm taking this thing that I need and I'm going, God, I need you to work in this. I'm moving it from me and my kingdom to him and his kingdom. So instead of me identifying myself as the king and me trying to have to work so hard to make it happen, that provision happen in my life, I go, no, 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 I'm not the king, I'm not the provider, I'm actually gonna move that to his kingdom because God is the king. But we all want to be in charge. We, we hear it all the time, just live your truth, just do this, just do what makes you happy. And, and you hear these things and we wanna be the king, but gosh, no wonder we have so much anxiety because you're not designed to be the king, but you wanna be the king. And so that step from like, all right, God, I'm making you king. You're the king over this decision. You're the king of this. I, I serve your agenda, not my own agenda. 
And we can let go of the pressure of being in charge. So we go from me, and then we take it to his kingdom. And then next, guess what? The next thing we have is we have clarity. We struggle a lot with decisions in our life because we aren't seeking his kingdom first. If you just said, God, I need clarity in this situation. Does this line up with your kingdom? Some of your decisions would be made like that because they don't line up with God's kingdom. There, there's your clarity. Don't do it. That's what you do. Uh, will this transition, this is some, what some of you need to think about your jobs. Will this transition serve your kingdom better? How many of us are just doing stuff because it makes a paycheck instead of going, God, what do you want me to do? I need some clarity here, right? A lot of our decisions will kind of answer themselves if we start thinking about the kingdom. And when we start making that transition from my needs to his kingdom and his agenda, we begin to see that he's given us some gifts. God's gifted every person in here. You got gifts that God's given you that he wants to use. Like the problem is, is that some of us are living with these gifts and they're dormant. It's amazing to bring your life before the king. I think, I think a lot of our church is in this, this space right here. You've given your life to the king, but it's even more amazing after you bring your life to the king to give him your gift and to go, God, you've gifted me here and this is yours. This is your gift, not my gift. This is your gift. I'm gonna use it for you. I'm gonna use it to advance your kingdom. If you could just see how much fulfillment happens when you give your gift to the kingdom and you serve the king with your gift. It puts everything else to shame. I see people like Ashley who helps lead worship here who's out of town today. Her gift shining. She's never done this before. But her gift is just shining. Why? Because she's serving the king with it. And she's finding more fulfillment here than if she was Taylor Swift at an Eras tour concert. You know, like she's finding it here. Because what she's doing, it matters. So we acknowledge that God's given us gifts and we have to be sure to put it to work in God's kingdom through the church. So your gifts now move from, hey, I'm, I'm gonna use something you gave me, but now I'm gonna put it in God's kingdom. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put it to work in his church. You can't separate God's kingdom and the church, by the way. That's not how it works. God's kingdom, God's, the church is God's body. It's his bride, it's something that he loves. It's something that the Bible teaches. You know, he actually asked Peter, he says, who do, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ and the living God. He said, absolutely. Jesus, Peter was saying, Jesus, you're the king in this kingdom. And Jesus said, you're right. And what did he say after that? He said, and on that rock, I'll build my church. You can't advance God's kingdom without the church. The church is the plan to do that. And so when you decide, hey, I have this ability, I have this gift inside of me. Maybe for some of you, you have the ability to make money. You have the ability to love people like nobody else. You have the ability that you can just change a room because you're a leader. God's put that in you. The church needs that gift. You gotta put that thing in church. Go, how can I use my gift to serve the church? How can I use the way God's created me to serve the church? And guess what, when you put it in church, that's when God starts to really develop it. Uh, develop it. You think that your college prepared you with your gift. No, 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 the church does the best job at developing your gift. 
You put that thing in church. <clears throat> you put that gift in church and watch it develop. And watch what God does. The world needs more people to live this way, by the way. People that recognize that everything is from the king. And I'm going to turn that into his kingdom. And then I'm going to realize that my gift is not just for me, but it's for the church. And when, and when you put it in the church, God starts developing it. And then you start finding that you have life and purpose in your work. And then all of a sudden, you have meaning. Why? Because you put it in the right place. You put God's kingdom in the right place. And so now things are just starting to work out. And could it be that 85% of us are frustrated at work because we don't know why we're doing what we're doing? I want to tell you right now, you're not at your job to just earn a paycheck. You're there to bring the kingdom into your job. We need people that are going to take the kingdom out of this building and take it to your jobs, take it to your homes, take it to your families. That's where God's going to show up. And when you begin to have meaning in your work because everything's placed in the right order, God begins to provide the resources. And when he starts providing the resources, you start understanding that you're not the source of your provision. God's the source. Some of you might make a lot of money. Guess what? You might be working for it, but God's the source. He's using you to earn that. Why? To advance his kingdom, to help people, to be generous. That's what he's doing. And when you understand that God's the source, you understand that you actually have a big stewardship piece that God's entrusted you with. He's given you this to steward, not to just flippantly do whatever you want, but to steward what he's given you. The Bible actually says, just to put it bluntly, you can't serve two masters. He's talking about money. You can't serve two masters. You either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. He's not talking about your boss. He's talking about the money that you have, right? The money that you've made. Some of us, man, we don't understand that our resources, our finances are a kingdom tool. When you invest it in God's kingdom, it's better than anything you could do. I really, I believe that with my whole life. And we can even submit our leisure time and our vacation. I can, or be, go out to lunch today and your leisure time, you're just relaxing. You can still have an impact. Why? Because bringing the kingdom everywhere you go is the way God designed you. And when you start living life that way, you start seeing that the kingdom begins to advance and you start starting to see the mission of God, the cause of God. You start seeing that there's an eternal kingdom that I'm impacting. And that's when your life ultimately has meaning. You find ultimate meaning. But if you get the first or the second step wrong and you don't bring what God has given you and the provisions to God's kingdom, you'll never get here. It all works together. You see, Jesus wants to take everything in your life and he wants to provide it for you. But it all starts by seeking the kingdom first. Going, God, I need to live a kingdom life every day in every part of my life. And when you do that, God begins to work this right here. You start to see more of God in your life. You start to see how it impacts every area of your life. But we have to have people that are willing to live a kingdom life everywhere we go. Come on, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. You know, one day people are going to attend your funeral. And one day, your kids or whoever, they're going to come visit your graveside. 
They're going to look at your tombstone, and on your tombstone it might say something cute on it or spiritual, whatever. But they're going to see your name. They're going to see the day you were born, the day you died, and a little dash in the middle. And what Jesus is teaching us in this, seeking God's kingdom, the only thing that matters when you're in that state and people are visiting you while you're in that grave is what you did to advance the kingdom. That's literally the most important thing you could do. And some of us are still choosing to compartmentalize and go, ah, God's not going to be allowed in my work. I got to get stuff done there. I can't be bothered by that. What? No. God needs to be a part of everything you do. Everything that you do. What you do in this life, in your everyday life, not just church. It's so easy to show up to church and sit down and look like a good Christian. And you know, God loves it when you're here. I love it when you're here. But what are you doing when you leave? Like, live the kingdom life out there. That's what it's all about. Not here. This is just your little halftime talk, and we're going to go back into the game now. That's what this is. But if you're not living the kingdom life out there, what, what are you doing? Like, what are we doing? This, this is pointless. It has to get in your everyday life. So my question is, where's the X in your life? Where are you putting an X today? All right, God, I got I to give you this. And I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give that to the kingdom. And you watch how the kingdom unfolds in your life. You watch. I promise you it's going to happen. Because that's how God works. Let's pray. God, we love you. We recognize that your kingdom is above everything we could possibly do. We need it. We need it in our everyday lives, God. I pray right now for those that have identified where they need to put the X in their life, that thing where they need some more provision, God, that you would help them take the kingdom to that, God. Would you help them just turn their attention from what they have and giving it to you and recognizing that they're not in charge, but you're in charge, and this is going to get put in your kingdom. And God, I pray that you would show up in a big way in their lives, God. If you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I just want to walk you through that for a second. You can just say this prayer. Say, dear God, I need you. Come into my life. I make you the king of my life. And I'm going to live for you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we love you. I thank you so much. What a great Sunday. What a great day to be reminded of who we serve and how that can impact our everyday life, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a hand.